God's got plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Your future is bright. Give God praise. Give God praise for the plans that he has for your life in 2021. Thank you, Lord. Just shut, out all, shut off all the noise that's going on on the outside and focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I've got some things I want to uh, give you, share with you. First of all, welcome to everybody that's joining us in person, online. Amen. If you're on YouTube, you can help us to reach more people by clicking that subscribe button, click the like button, and click the little bell. And that will remind you when we're online, praise God, when we are broadcasting, praise God. Our focus for 2021 that the Lord gave me is one word, rest. Rest. We're resting in the finished work of Jesus. And here's some other things um, the Lord gave me along with that. Receive. Always be uh, uh, just in a receiving mode. Hope, confident expectation of good. Praise God. Keep praise on your lips. Not complaining. Not grumbling. If you're going to murmur something, there's a positive murmuring. And that's meditation. When you speak in the word under your breath, in a low tone, that's meditating. Meditate. That's another uh, a thing that the Lord gave me to focus on this year. is uh, the, the major focus is rest, but then these other things came to me. Hope, praise, receive, meditate, covenant, which I'm going to be talking about today and uh, the next few weeks, and uh, walk, walk in the fear of the Lord. And Jesus defined the fear of the Lord as the worship of the Lord. So we right back to praise. Walking in the fear of the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and pray. Pray Ephesians chapter 1, over your life. And l let me just go to that. talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Um, and you're going to get more out of the word. You're going to get more revelation when you pray this prayer. I remember Brother Hagin said years ago when he started praying the Ephesians prayer. There's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and also in Ephesians chapter 3. He said when he started praying these prayers, he started getting more revelation in the Word of God. So there's another prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, but I want to focus on a portion of this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Or to tell them like volume one. <laughs> Is somebody still back there? I'm just, am I the only one hearing voices? <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Okay, so verse, verse uh, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, 
Now, Paul's pray, praying this prayer for the church at Ephesus, but it's also, if it's good for the, the church at Ephesus, because there's just one church. We're the same church as the church of Ephesus. So if it's good for the church at Ephesus, it's good for the church of Fort Wayne. Amen. The church of America, the church of Europe, the church of Africa. Amen. It's good for us today. And you can pray this prayer for others as well as yourself. So pray that the Lord will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Isn't that good to pray? That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Isn't that good? That you may know what is the watch. Watch this. What is the hope to which he has called you and what the riches of... And what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's good to pray. So write that down, Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 19. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hope is a confident expectation of good. Ask the Lord to reveal to you the hope to which he has called you to. Amen. He'll reveal the plans that he has for you. And they're good, good plans. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2 says. One translation says you're his masterpiece. Created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for you to live before the foundation of the world. We're going to talk about something that the most significant thing that has ever happened, happened before the foundation of the world. Amen. God saw you in Christ before the foundation of the world. We're going to talk about the most significant thing that happened, happened before the foundation of the world. And you know what else happened before the foundation of the world? Um, God prepared for you a good life. This thing is fixed, y'all. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's dive right in. I got a lot to talk about. We're going to have Sunday school. I'm a teacher, so every day, every week is Sunday school. Looking for Hooper and Holland. This is not the place. There's other, I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of places you can get that. I want to get something that's going to stick to your bones. Some revelation that you can walk in and act on, okay? And don't let the devil tempt you into, don't succumb to, this, to the temptation of thinking that this is boring. Because this is not boring teaching. This is anointed teaching that will change your life forever. And I want to just set this up because um, sometimes, and it happened to me when, when I, I mean, I knew I needed the Lord in my life, but I didn't know what living the Christian life was all about. There was just a knowing on the inside of me that I needed God in my life. When I was messed up doing drugs and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and my life was messed up in my, my early 20s, I knew, I, I always knew in my heart that I, I wanted to serve God. But there were times, like when I was going to college, I wasn't ready. 
Amen. Sometimes people would come and, and minister to me and share the gospel. I didn't have an argument with them. My thing was, I was too busy partying, and I just wasn't ready. But when I was ready, I didn't really know what living the Christian life looked like. I want you to hear my heart, and I hope this comes out right, and the Lord's going to help me do it. I just had something in my heart, and I, I didn't know really how it was, was going to come out. Um, but uh, the Lord is going to help me. So when I, I, I didn't know what the Christian life really looked like, but I knew that I needed to start going to church. And a lot of people are in that mode. Like, okay, I need to get back to church. You ever hear people say that uh, they're, they're out there, they're not living for God, and they're, they're not saved, and, and they, you know, I, I need to get to church. I need to get to church. I need to get to church. Getting to church is not what it's all about. When you understand blood covenant, and you understand that God is, is a, is a covenant-keeping God, and that the Bible is, this Bible is a covenant book, once you understand blood covenant, you're, you're going to, you're going to understand where going to church fits in the context of everything. You're going to understand that the Christian life is not about going to church. Now, I, I believe going to church is a good thing. I'm in church now, so are you. Um, even like when you're watching online, you're, you're on church, at church with us. And see, first of all, we need to understand that the church is not a building. We are the church. So when you're sitting there at home watching online, um, you are the church, and we are gathered together, assembling. But a lot of people don't understand what the Christian life is all about. I didn't know what it looked like when I first gave my, gave my life to the Lord. And some people think it's about just, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what Sister So-and-So does. She looks like a good Christian. I mean, she's an she's a usher or, or she uh, uh, works in the nursery. So, okay, what I need to do is find something to do. Okay, I'm, I'm at church. So you made that first step that you said you were going to do. You, you got to church. Now, uh, give me something to do. Okay, okay, I think you'd be a good usher. And so, okay, so you start ushering. And you start getting involved in this and, and getting involved in that. And then uh, people come to a screeching halt. They, 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 they do all of the things that they thought was church. They do all the things that, that they think is serving God. And then they say, is this it? And there's an alternate life going on outside of church that is messed up, confused, worried, afraid, secret sins. <laughs> uh, and and you're thinking, well, how, how is Jesus, how is this helping me? Is the Christian life, is this all it's about? I'm struggling in my life. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm, I'm struggling in my finances. I'm, my, I'm struggling in my health, in my relationships. I've got uh, bad habits. Um, I'm struggling with addiction. I'm depressed. Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
So what does Jesus have to do with all of this? And how can Jesus help me? I thought my life would change when I start going to church. And I'm doing what I'm seeing other people do. And I'm going to tell you something else. There's the facade of church. And some of the people that you look at that's in all of the, doing all of the things, a lot of them folk got issues too. They're in the same boat as you are if they don't really understand what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is not all about is not about working and serving God. Jesus said something very strange. He, he, he said, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. A lot of people miss that. You might have to read that again. See, because some people think it's all about serving, 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 serving. But no, it's about being served, letting Jesus serve you. Hallelujah. So anyway, that's an introduction. I I want you to understand that, that, look, I know where I'm going, but it's very important that you understand this foundation that I'm laying because then, I mean, you're going to understand, trust me, When this is all over, the Holy Spirit is going to help us understand what the Christian life is all about. And boy, when you understand this, your life will change forever. God wants you. He wants you to be in fellowship with him. He wants you to enjoy him. And this is going to help you get to that. Enjoying him. He don't want your service. He wants you. If he's got you, you're going to want to serve him out of, out of this, out of a motive of love. And when I talk about love, you're going you're gonna to understand love like you never understood it before. But first, I got to lay this foundation, y'all. So don't fall off your chair. I want you to lock in, make sure you get a good night's sleep these next few weeks because i got to lay this foundation. Okay, last week, I'm going to go back over these fill-in-the-blanks because when I went back and looked at the formatting for the notes from last week, it was all messed up. <laughs> so I went back and fixed that, but then I carried those um, fill-in-the-blanks over to this week, So and it'll be a good review, so I want to make sure that y'all got this because this is, uh, this is necessary foundation. Y'all ready to go? Okay, we're going to start with our foundation scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Don't miss this. How did he raise Jesus from the dead? By the blood of the eternal covenant. God does everything through the covenant. Everything God does is through covenant. He raised Jesus through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will. 
not just about doing his will, first being equipped with everything good that will enable you to do his will. Working in us. See, it's God working in you. That which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Everything that God does is through covenant. We're going to get to these fill in the blank. Fill, get, grab your app. Praise the Lord. I don't have time to tell you where it is. <laughs> Go to the app store and get it. Amen. Okay. What is a covenant? Bereath is the Hebrew word for covenant. It means to cut by the shedding of blood and passing between pieces of flesh. That's one definition of covenant. Another definition is to cut until blood flows. Today we're going to dive deep into the blood. And you're going to understand. See, if you don't understand what covenant is, if you don't know, understand the history of covenant, that's why I was talking about a man's covenant and um, we looked at the scripture in Galatians 3.15, if it's a man's covenant, no one annuls or takes away from it. But, but see, that's blind to us if you don't understand the power of, of a man's covenant and where a man's covenant came from. It originated from God. So when you understand what covenant is all about, you're going to understand the blood and the significance of the blood. We're going to uh, dive deep into, into that today. Amen? Okay. To cut until blood flows. A solemn agreement between two parties in which there is a total commitment on each part sealed by the shedding of blood. We talked about a man's covenant last week with living stone, excuse me, Stanley, Henry Stanley, explorer uh, in the 1800s when he went looking for Livingstone and he cut this covenant with this African chieftain. And he thought he was getting ripped off in the ceremony when uh, they exchanged uh, gifts. Now, eventually, they drank each other's blood. That's a perverted form of biblical covenant. But nonetheless, in this man's covenant, that's what they did in that part of Africa where Stanley was. So in the exchange of gifts, you remember what Stanley gave up to the African chief? His goat. No, the, the, yeah, the chief gave Stanley his uh, spear, right? Stanley gave him what? Gave the chief his goat, and that goat helped him because he had poor health. Now, he thought he'd get ripped off. But remember, everywhere that Stanley went, see, before they had to guard their stuff. They were getting ripped off, lives threatened. But when he got that spear, that spear became way more important than that goat was to him. Because nobody would mess with him in Africa because that spear represented that African chief. And nobody messed with that chief or that tribe. They could leave their goods in the street and nobody would touch it because he had that spear. I told Shatan last night, we, we were watching Wonder Woman 1984. And uh, I told him, I want that spear. If I was cutting covenant with the Wonder Woman, excuse me, I would want that rope. I said spear, but rope. I, if I cut the covenant with the Wonder Woman, I want her rope. Give me, just, I just, just give me the rope. 
All right. The covenant is a will or testament. It's the most sacred thing known to man. Every ancient Eastern civilization practiced blood covenant in some form. As I said, some of our perverted or degraded forms of biblical covenant. Blood covenant is the basis of all primitive religions. It's more powerful than a contract. That's the closest we know in the West. Closest thing that, that we can relate to is uh, about covenants is contracts. And, and just throw that out of your mind. Covenant is way more powerful than a contract. To break a covenant meant death in a man's covenant. Okay. Now, why are covenants cut? We didn't get to this last week, even though it was in your notes. Okay. A weaker tribe entered into a covenant with a stronger tribe. A weaker tribe entered into a covenant with a stronger tribe to keep from being destroyed. That's basically what uh, Stanley did, even though he wasn't a tribe. A number two, a business partnership between two men to ensure neither would take advantage of the other. Number three, two men would devote themselves to each other and their families because of their strong affection for each other as life long friends. Let's look at Revelation chapter 5. We're going to focus on the blood today. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, say your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's everybody. <laughs> you were ransomed by the blood of Jesus. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our gods, to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. You were created to reign. You know, you're called priest. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you, Lord. Again, blood covenant is not just in the Bible, but it originated with God in the Bible. Okay? And blood covenant in some form is found in every ancient civilization. That's evidence that it originated in the babyhood of the human race. Leviticus chapter 17. For the life, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. What do I mean that... that it's the fact that it's blood covenant 
is found in every ancient civilization that that's evidence that it, it originated in the babyhood of the human race. What, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, if you go back, basically, ancient civilization, when you talk about the primitive times, prim primitive civilization, I'm talking about going way, way back as far as the, uh, uh, as the records show. Go as far back as you can go into ancient civilizations. Blood covenant is practice. They had to get it from somewhere. And we're going to show you where it came from. Thank you, Lord. The Bible is the only book that gives an account of the original blood covenant sacrifice. And that's where all the blood covenants in the earth come from. Okay. Y'all with me? Okay. So, for the life of the flesh, Leviticus 17, 11. Now, let me move that. I may need y'all help up there. My clicker is just, maybe it needs some juice. Okay. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement, say atonement, for your souls. For it is the blood, say it's the blood, that makes atonement by the life. God, listen, God the creator and source of all life owns all life and the blood In the life. Therefore, throughout the Bible, all blood, as well as animal blood, was regarded as sacred. See verse 12, look at verse 12. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat blood. See, that was a violation to, to eat blood. Neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Verse 13 says, And anyone, all, and, excuse me, anyone also of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them who takes in honey, any beast or bird that they may be eaten, shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. So, it was never to be eaten, and even when an animal was killed, the blood had, had to be reverent, reverently buried. Okay, now, we're going to look back, take a, a look back to understand the sacrifices, to understand blood covenant sacrifices. We're going to look into sacrifices, the animal sacrifices in the old covenant, to understand Old Covenant sacrifices, you have to go back to something before the foundation of the world which gives meaning to the animal sacrifices. Without, without what I'm about to tell you, the animal sacrifices of the Old Covenant mean nothing. 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn to the person next to you and say, you still awake? All right. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, make note of that. A lamb without what? 
without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So this lamb, Jesus, was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8 says, And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Jesus the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. This is why animals, lambs, goats were sacrificed because the lamb slain before the foundation of the world gave all those animal sacrifices meaning. It was a foreshadowing of the lamb who would eventually be slain in manifestation. But in God's mind, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the sacrifices. This is the reason why all of the blood was sacrifices. I mean, they had a, a, a river of blood every day. Listen, th there's a reason for that. When, and the high, high priest, as we're going to see, he was the central figure in, in, the, in the sacrifices and the, the whole tabernacle thing. But every day, animals were slain. There was like a river of blood just constantly flowing from animal sacrifices every single day. And then once a year on the Day of Atonement, that was the biggie. When the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple by a veil. Only the high priest could go in that sacred place. Okay, now let's go to where blood covenant originated. We touched on this last week, but we're going to get into this a little deeper. Genesis 3.21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. <laughs> so, I mean, why in the world did God kill an animal? I mean, to get garments of skin, he had to slay an animal, and God did this for the for the sin of man. And why did, why did God do this? Now, now what happened was, <laughs> this is the, uh, when, when Adam and Eve, they made these fig leaves, right, after they sinned and they were ashamed and they felt guilty. Okay, so this is, this is man's first attempt at uh, embroidery, needlework. <laughs> They sold, they sold fig leaves together. But these fig leaves were inadequate to cover their sin. For the reasons that I mentioned, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God required blood. So God slayed an animal. The animal's blood was shed. See, it wasn't, it wasn't that God was just into fur coats. <laughs> okay? He required blood. Now, 
Adam and Eve made fig leaves to cover the shame that came as a result of their disobedience. By giving them another covering, the Lord was saying that the fig leaves were inadequate to deal with the situation. Fig leaves only temporarily covered the shame. It made them respectable. You know, a lot of folks in the church walking around with fig leaves. They, you know, they looked apart. See, because with Adam and Eve, these fig leaves, they, they made them respectable, but it did not deal with the guilt, the shame, or the cause of it. They were in a state of death which had to be dealt with. The fig leaves were inadequate. Watch this. This is so powerful. The first gift of God outside of giving of life itself was his gift of a sacrificial animal that would shed its blood in death. Other than life itself, that was the first gift that was given to man an animal sacrifice. Now, now, now listen, now get this, don't, don't lose the significance of this. This made a, an indelible impression upon them because first of all, they had, never, they had never seen death before. Let alone shedding of blood. So this left an impression on them that God requires blood, a blood sacrifice for the covering of sin. They, they couldn't forget that. See, you get that? They've they, they never seen anybody die. So this animal that God killed right in front of them and the, the bloodshed, this, this made a mark on them. And it was from this experience that humankind would never forget. See, because they would pass it on to their children, and the children would pass it on to their children. This was passed on, and this is how blood covenant was spread throughout the earth. From this experience, humankind would never forget when approaching God, they had to bring a blood sacrifice. This is where all the blood covenants, however perverted they are or have become, this is where all the blood covenants on the earth came from. Okay, now let's dive into Cain and Abel. Why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? Now, Abel just didn't bring this sacrifice out of nowhere. Let's look at this. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of what? Keeper, keeper, keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. You know why? Because it's a blood sacrifice. He brought of his firstborn, of the flock. This is a blood sacrifice, y'all. 
But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. See, if you don't understand blood covenant, you won't understand this. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, dude? Well, dude's not in there, but why has your face fallen? He said, watch this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? So obviously he knew what doing well was. If you do right, he knew what right was. See, God would be unjust to require of Cain something he didn't know nothing about. And if you do not do well, I'm going to come and get you. No. See, sin has consequences. It's not God doing something to you when you sin. God still loves you no matter what you do. Sin itself has consequences. He said, if, if, if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. But we don't have to be, be afraid of sin because we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're under grace. If you do not, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And see, when he eventually killed his brother, it was out of guilt. It was out of guilt. He never got the guilt dealt with. He never got the shame dealt with because he, he tried to come to God the way he wanted to come to God. He wanted to bring, he, he to bring what he wanted to bring. Now, Hebrews gives, gives us light into this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says, By faith, now that's very key, about why God accepted Abel's sacrifice. He brought a faith sacrifice. Faith, Bible faith, never initiates an action. It is a responsive act of trust to a word from God. See, faith comes by hearing. You can't have faith without having the word of God. He had a word, and that's how, that's the only reason why he could have faith. What was that word? To bring a blood covenant sacrifice. So by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. So Cain knew what God required, but didn't bring it. See, he brought something from the, from the fruit of the ground. See, God doesn't want what you want to bring him. You got to bring what God requires. Let me say it another way. See, he thought through his, his self-effort, here's what, Lord, here's what I brought you. Here's, look at what I did for you. See, God is not looking for your self-effort. Amen. We're under grace. God does not relate to us through performance. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't looking for performance from Cain. He, he was looking for a blood covenant sacrifice based on what God 
required, which he knew full well. 1 John 3.12 talks about Cain also. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because that sin was crouching at the door. <laughs> because it, his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain's evil was the evil of man-made religion trying to be acceptable to God by his works. The Bible calls that evil. All right, now let's, let's, let's look at the uh, Old Covenant sacrifices. The Old Covenant sacrifices centered around the high priest. So the high priest would, um, here's what they would do on the Day of, At of Atonement. We're going to bring you into the Day of Atonement once a year. Sacrifices, blood sacrifices with animals were made every single day. But on, on one day of the year, it was the Day of Atonement. And they were to bring two goats. Everybody say two goats. And so they would, they would take one goat, and uh, now they would inspect this goat. Now, all of this is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Remember, he's without what? Without spot or blemish. So these, these goats were a type of Jesus. And so I've given you this illustration before. So they would inspect these goats. And the goats had to be without spot and without blemish. See, all of this is to show us Jesus. All the scriptures are about Jesus. So they, they examine they examine this, this goat. Let's just bother why it would be the goat. And they, they, the, now, the, the high priest would inspect these goats to make sure they had no blemish and no spot. So the offerer, I'll be the offerer over on this side, would bring the goats to the high priest. The high priest, guess what, would not examine me, the offerer. Let me see if you really are sorry for your sin. No, he examined the sacrificial goat. He didn't examine the person. Let me look at you. No, he's looking at the lamb. That's to show us Jesus. When Jesus, when you sin, and we all sin, God is not looking at you. He looks at the lamb. And the lamb is perfect, has no spot and no blemish. As Jesus is, so are you. Amen. So he examines the, the goats, and he the priest lays his hands on the goats and confesses the sins of the people over this goat. And him laying his hands on the goat. Now, this is, there's two goats. Let's set this one goat aside. This, this other goat's going to be the scapegoat. Now, they both had to be without blemish. Now, they take one of the goats. The high priest lays his hands on the goat, confesses the sins of the people over the goat. And by laying his hands on that goat, the sins of the people symbolically are transferred from the people to that lamb, to that goat. The perfectness, if that's a word, or the righteousness of the goat 
symbolically, it's transferred to the person. Amen. So, then they would take the, uh, so, so the goat would be slain. They would take the, the blood of the goat. The priest, the high priest would go into the holy of holies that I talked about earlier that was separated by the veil. Only the priest could go in. And inside the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. The ark was overlaid with, it was a wood box overlaid with gold. On top of it was a lid that was made of solid gold. It's called the mercy seat. On each side of the mercy seat, you had the angels whose wings touched. And their eyes looked down on the mercy seat. And their eyes represented God's eyes. Inside of that box Okay, the Ark of the Covenant, which the mercy seat covered. Inside were three items. There was um, the golden pot of manna. There was the Aaron's rod that budded. And there was the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Each one of those items symbolized something. The Ten Commandments represented man's rebellion against God's laws. Aaron's rod that budded represented Israel's rebellion against God's authority. The uh, golden pot of manna represented the uh, man's rebellion against God's provision in the wilderness. They all were covered by this lid. Now, the high priest never peeked inside. It was covered. To show that their sins, all of their rebellion, everything, all their sins were covered. The high priest would take the blood of that goat and sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat. The mercy seat, that lid is not open. And when those angels' eyes representing God's eyes looked down, they're not looking inside. They're looking at the blood. So why does God go through all that trouble? Day after day with the daily sacrifices, once a year, why did God go through all that trouble to show us Jesus? Oh, and that other goat, after all that was accomplished, they would take that other goat and they would release him, take him to the wilderness and let him go, release the goat, which indicated the sins of the Israelites had been removed never to visit them again. See, all of that was to show, show us today that our sins have been removed. Now, now, there were limitations to this system. There was no seat of all the different furniture. You got the table, the table of showbread, the pot of manna. You, you had the lampstand and all this kind of stuff in the tabernacle. But there was one piece of furniture that you did not find in there, and that was a chair. Because the high priest's job was never done. The limitations of this whole system was that it had to be repeated every year because they could never 
remove the sins, the sins were only covered. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, these, these sacrifices pointed to Jesus' blood. What, remember, what gave these sacrifices their meaning? The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. See, he's, he's prepping the people for Jesus. The Bible tells us that, that the law was our schoolmaster, one translation says. Another translation says the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. And now we're in Christ, we're no longer under, under a tutor. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10, we're almost finished, praise God. Y'all follow, y'all tracking with me? For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true Oh, you know what? All of a sudden, this is working. Praise God. For since the law, say the law, has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. 10.11 says, and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Jeremiah 30, 31. For this is the covenant. Oh, I love this. This is the covenant, the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Man, imagine the people that heard this prophetic word. Can you imagine how excited they were about this new covenant that, uh, that God's going to bring about, that we're living in right now? And Jesus went through it so we could get to it. Think about it. I mean, so now you can see the significance of why, why is this blood so significant? I mean, when... The, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, years ago with Mel Gibson. Some people thought that was just too much for TV. I mean, that didn't even speak to how bloody it was. Think about it. Even before Jesus, on his way to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat dr uh, drops of blood coming from his pores. I mean, his, his, his tunic is already being saturated with blood. Then he gets beaten with 39 stripes. All that blood. They put a crown of thorns on his head. The blood pouring out. Huh? I mean, on the cross, when, when he was dead, they stuck that spear in his side, and guess what? Blood and water comes out. So throw out of your mind 
that, that picture you see on those little crucifix and with, with him just looking like he's, he's asleep on the, on the cross, that's not how he looked. He w- he, you wouldn't want a cross with him on it, how he really looked, because he was, his, his face, his body, was, it was so messed up that you, it, the, the Bible tells us that you couldn't even tell he was human. He did all of that for us. So we can have this. He didn't do that just so we can go to church on Sunday. He wanted to bring us to himself and wait till we talk about love because that was his whole motive. Was his love for us. See, God is he's so full of love. He's, he, he is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And he didn't create man because he was lonely. It's just love has to have something to spend itself on. Because love can't exist by itself. He created us. We were birthed out of love. That's how, that's why, so now you understand, that's why he wants to prosper you because he loves you. Thank you, Jesus. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after the, and notice, this is all God, is what God is doing. Think about it. When he prepared those coats of skin, the fig leaves was man's doing, coats of skin, God's doing. It was all God. All God. God made coats of skin. They made fig leaves. New covenant. I. Notice, I will. This is all God's doing. You ain't got nothing to do with it. All you got to do is believe. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws, my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Notice God's going to write his word on your heart. He's done that in this new covenant. So we don't need police, uh, spiritual police, deputies telling us how to live and what to do. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to guide you. He's going to write his his law in, within you and will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my, my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. It sounds like Hebrews, right? This is what he, where Hebrews gets this from. Amen? They, they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will Remember their sin no more. And that sacrificial system, including the scapegoat, was there to show them what was to come. And we get to, we get to enjoy and live in it. <laughs> Excuse me. Ezekiel 36, 25. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. This is the new covenant, y'all, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. This is the new creation, y'all. I will put within you, and I will remove. I, see, notice, how much of this are you doing? I will remove. You need to get all that wickedness out of your heart. God did that. <laughs> I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk. See, I'm going to cause you to walk. It's effortless. When you lean into the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and, and be careful to obey my rules. <clears throat> Last scripture, 70 weeks are decreed, Daniel 9, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression. This is what God did in the new covenant, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to put an end to sin. And to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and, re and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in troubled time, but in a troubled time, verse 26, and after the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary it's in shall come with the flood and to the end there shall be war desolations are decreed and he shall make a strong covenant for many with one week and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the, on the desolator thank you lord we are people of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word.